0: Well, welcome. And thank you so much for joining me. In this episode, we're going to talk about how we can be more productive by stopping some unproductive practices. You'll find links and additional information in the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 347. You know, I generally try to come at topics from a positive perspective rather than a negative one on this podcast. I try to focus on things I'm in favor of rather than things I'm against, or things we should do rather than things we shouldn't do. But it occurred to me that sometimes, in order to make space in our lives for the good, productive things, We need to identify and then weed out the unproductive things, the things we do habitually that don't serve us. And as I thought about what that might look like, I came up with a list of 10 unproductive things that we should consider stopping, that we should stop doing. And I'll offer some suggestions on what we can replace them with in order to be more productive on a day to day basis. And some of these are practices while others are mindsets, but they're all things that are generally unproductive in most cases and that we should consider stopping. So let's get into them. Number one is multitasking. We've talked about this before. I'll try to put links uh, in the show notes to some episodes where we've gone into more detail about this. Multitasking is doing more than one thing at a time, such as replying to emails while you're listening to a webinar (laughs) or talking to someone in cooking. We think we're being more productive, but in fact, when we're doing more than one thing at a time, it's likely to take longer because our brain cannot multitask. It actually switches back and forth between them very rapidly. And doing that will likely cause it to take longer. And we're more likely to make mistakes both of which are unproductive. Now, this isn't an issue if you're doing one thing that requires attention or attentiveness and one that's more mechanical, like listening to a podcast while you're folding clothes or something like that. But we need to always be aware of the impact of multitasking. It is much better and more effective to do one thing at a time and focus and be present. And so that's the recommendation. And I'm talking to myself here on all of these things. When I catch myself trying to do two things at a time, um, participating in a conference call and checking emails, not doing either one of them well, and I'm likely to miss something important or, or, you know, make a mistake when I try to do that. So I'm trying to be more and more aware these days uh, when I, and catch myself when I'm doing this and stop doing it and try to be more focused on the one thing that's important for me to be doing at that time and be very present and in the moment and giving all my attention to the thing that I'm doing. So that's a much better and more productive choice than multitasking. And we really all need to think about this and stop multitasking. The second unproductive thing that we should stop doing is constantly changing your tools, systems, or routines, looking for the perfect tool or the perfect system or the perfect routine for the magic pill that will solve your productivity problems. This is not productive. Now, sure, we can try new things and we've talked in the past about, uh, a system for trying a new approach or incorporating new routines into our day, but constantly changing them or abandoning a tool and looking for the perfect task manager or the perfect calendar or the perfect anything uh, is not productive. Partly because there's always a learning curve when you're trying something new, even if the new thing is good. So you're going to be slower and less effective at using it While you're trying it out. And so every time you change, you're slowing yourself down and you're impairing your effectiveness and your efficiency. One of the benefits of creating and sticking with a system or sticking with a tool for a period of time as you get familiar with it. You develop uh, in a sense, muscle memory, things become habitual. So you can move more quickly, complete the task more efficiently, and thus be more effective in a shorter amount of time. So it's much more productive to stick with something uh, over time and get uh, until it becomes habitual. Uh, so that's the alternative that I would suggest. And I'll try to put a link in the show notes to an episode where we talked in the past about deciding when is it time to switch to a new tool or a new system and when should we stick with it. But I certainly recommend that whether it's your, the to-do list app that you're using or a routine or system that you're using in your home or your office, stick with it for a period of time, maybe, maybe six week to eight weeks to give yourself time to settle into it, get familiar with it, let it become more habitual. If it's still not working at that point, then of course, look into other options. But I think a lot of times when we feel like we're not productive or things aren't working, our inclination is to try to find a different tool like that's going to solve the problem. But really there are better Uh, there are deeper issues probably at play than the tool or system. I really believe that any tool can work for us if we actually use it consistently. And if we're not, then we need to look at why. And again, we've talked about that in the past. We'll talk about it again. Maybe I'll dig into that in another episode coming up about, you know, developing the systems and knowing when to stick with it but we shouldn't be changing frequently. Uh, It's unproductive and there are better ways to get things done. So that's number two. Number three of the the practices that we should stop is the practice or habit of dropping items somewhere for now. And I'm putting for now in quotes. Uh, We all do this to one degree or another, and it shows up in various ways. Maybe we come in the door from work or a trip or whatever, and we drop our purse, our keys, our packages, the mail on the counter for now. Or we change for bed at night or get ready in the morning and we leave our clothes or our pajamas on the floor for now. Or we finish with a tool in the kitchen or our office or elsewhere and we leave it on the counter or or on our desk for now or maybe we put the clean laundry on the bed or leave it in the dryer for now. Well, once in a while doing these things is not a big deal, but if it's habitual, what it does is leads to clutter. It leads to time lost searching for items we can't find when we need them or it leads to extra work for instance you know leaving the the clean laundry in the dryer means things are going to be wrinkled and they're going to have to be run through the dryer again so you're burning energy or there, things need to be ironed if anybody does that <laughs> anymore these days or you know if we leave the dishes in the sink for now uh, food dries on and it's harder to clean them so uh, anytime we do things for now uh, instead of following through and finishing it, it's going to create more work. Like I said, leaves, leaves, uh, leaves to time lost as we're searching for items because we dropped them somewhere for now. And now we can't remember where we did that. The more productive alternative is to identify a home for everything that comes into our house or our office or whatever space we're talking about here, and then cultivate the habit of taking the few extra seconds or maybe the few extra steps it takes to put things where they belong right away. Just take those few seconds, those few extra steps to get from where you came in the door to where an item, maybe your purse actually belongs and put it there right away instead of dropping it somewhere for now. Uh, As a result of cultivating that habit, you have less clutter and all the benefits that come with that, which we've talked about before. Uh, Also, if you put, always put things where they belong, you always know where they are and you don't spend any time searching for them when you're in a hurry to use them. You also Uh, can be more efficient because if you're putting things where they belong for now, you're not creating extra work for yourself. You're simply getting it done right then. Uh, You don't have to spend the time, you know, going around cleaning up because things are where they belong in the first place. So I encourage us all to avoid that habit of putting things somewhere for now and uh, cultivate and nurture that habit of putting things where they belong right away as soon as you're done with them. The fourth unproductive thing that we all should consider stopping is overscheduling our lives. And by that specifically, I mean scheduling events and activities back to back with no downtime or white space between them. Doing this and and we're all... (laughs) Uh, mo- many of us are inclined to do this. I do it sometimes. I try not to uh, for the reasons I'm going to talk about here. But uh, when we do it, it can create more stress in our life because of the potential for being late if one event runs long. It also makes it more difficult to be prepared mentally or otherwise for one event or meeting or activity if you're going straight into it from something else. Uh, It also makes you a little bit less efficient because you've given no time to process the information from the activity you just left. So say it's a class or a meeting. If you're going straight from that immediately into something else, your brain has no time to sort of process the information from that class or that meeting and do something with it and so you're you're likely to forget things or lose lose the information because you haven't taken the time uh, because you haven't made the time to process it it's especially difficult if days are filled with meetings and events and activities and no white space is left no time is blocked out for that deep work that cal Newport talks about in his book th- that work that requires creativity or or deep thinking or problem solving. If we are filling up our lives with events and meetings and activities and appointments and not intentionally blocking time for that deep work, the deep work is not going to get done. And we are not doing as good a job of our work as we could otherwise. So the more productive approach to scheduling our lives is simply to leave space between time between scheduled events or activities and not just travel time, not just enough time to get from one place to the next, but actual downtime Uh, that is not committed to another event or meeting or interaction. Time to make notes about the meeting that just ended and um, jot down your action items. Time to maybe take a quick walk or stretch to get up from your desk or your workspace and, and just let your mind and your body recalibrate before you go to the next thing, time to get a drink of water or have something to eat or use the bathroom. Uh, I I've had days work days where none of those things were possible because it was one call or meeting after the other. And it's hard to feel, uh, feel good about those days. And you know, we're very, very busy, but not necessarily productive when we fill our days like that. Uh, maybe just leaving some time to close your eyes and breathe deeply for a couple of minutes, to let the stress dissipate, to let your body relax and let your mind get ready for the next thing. That's a much more productive way of scheduling our days. It means things get stretched out and maybe move to the next day, but Instead of scheduling things back to back, leaving that white space between events and activities is important. And it's also valuable and very productive to intentionally block out times each day or each week for that deep work when no meetings, no calls, no appointments will be scheduled. But this is the time where you can work without interruption. I know it is hard to find those times, especially if, as we are, you know, as you're listening to this, you're still working from home and you're in an area of the, of the world where things are kind of locked down and everybody is home and there's noise and chaos. It's hard to find those times and spaces where you can work without interruption, but to be truly productive, to accomplish the things that are most important it's crucial that we figure out ways to do that. And as I'm talking about this, I hadn't thought about this before, but maybe we need to do an episode about that. And maybe I'm going to reach out, not maybe, I am reaching out to you in the community. How do you do that? Whether you're working from home or you go into a workspace, how do you create space in your day or your week for that deep work, for that creative work or the work that requires you to have uninterrupted thought to solve problems and come up with solutions. I'd love to hear that. Send me an email at feedback at productivewoman.com or leave a, leave a, note in the comment on this episode in the show notes to tell me that. And I'm going to gather those ideas from the community. I'll reach out in the Productive Woman Community Facebook group about this as well to get your ideas uh, so that I can share them with the rest of the community and and help the rest of us find ways to get that work done and to avoid overscheduling our lives so that we can't get any of that deep work done. And the fifth unproductive thing we should stop doing, and these first five have been kind of practices. The last five will be, um, mindset type of things. But the fifth practice then that we should stop doing is non-strategic procrastination. Now this is different from intentionally and strategically deferring action, doing this on purpose. That is a very productive practice, intentionally choosing that I'm not going to do this today. I'm going to do this next Tuesday or or whatever. That's not necessarily procrastination. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about non-strategic procrastination, putting things off just in the spur of the moment, just because you're, you're, you you are you you've got a block to getting it done, or you don't feel like doing it right now, or you're letting something interfere with taking the action in a reactionary way instead of intentionally scheduling when you're going to do things. And non-strategic procrastination is unproductive because you're not moving forward. You're not making progress towards something that you need or want to do. And it's unproductive because usually it means we wait till the last minute to get something done. We've put it off until we absolutely cannot put it off anymore. And that inevitably costs us time and stress and often results in us doing a poorer job than we otherwise would have because we have cut ourselves out of time. And there are lots of reasons why we do this. We've talked about this in the past, but when we do it, it costs us in the quality of our work and in the, the, stress that we endure in getting it done. Procrastination, non-strategic procrastination wastes energy and attention because when we are not doing something that we know we should do, or that we actually want to do, but we've got a block for some reason that creates an unclosed loop that is always in the back of our mind. It distracts us. It leads us to feel bad about ourselves because we're not doing what we said we were going to do or what we know we should do. And how often have you, I've done this, how often have you spent hours or days or longer putting off a, a dreaded task only to finally break down and start and discover it took far less time than you imagined it would. You spent more time procrastinating than you spent actually doing the task, whether it's a phone call you needed to make or, you know, just whatever, cleaning some area of your home or, or a, a, pro, a report you needed to do for work. You spent so much time procrastinating far more than it took to actually just get it done. And that is wasted time. You can never get back. And so procrastination is unproductive for so many reasons, and it is more productive to identify when you're doing this, what needs to be done, put a plan in place, figure out what's the first action and just get started. So we all need to stop doing this. I'm raising my hand. I'm, I'm right there with you and we all need to stop doing it. Number six of the 10 unproductive things we should stop doing, and this is a mindset one, and that is beating yourself up for what you're not doing or mistakes you've made in the past, even if the past is five minutes ago. Now, I am not saying we shouldn't take responsibility for things we do that we shouldn't have for mistakes we've made. I'm not saying we shouldn't try to correct them or do better or, or make amends if we need to. I'm just saying it is unproductive to rehash our bad choices in the past or the things we're not doing that we should do. It is unproductive to to rehash that relive it and beat up on ourselves. As I've often said, the only thing worse than feeling bad is feeling bad about feeling bad and beating up on ourselves for the mistakes we've made or the unproductive choices we've made is not productive. And so it is better and more productive instead to learn the lesson that the mistake can teach you that the bad choice can teach you the the where you've failed can teach you. Learn that lesson. Make amends if you need to. If if you've um, what you've done has hurt someone else, and then forgive yourself for being human and move on. Let it go. And I know it's easier said than done, but it is something we can do. It is a practice of forgiving ourselves, of going through this. This ritual of learning the lesson. Wh- in, when you find yourself kind of feeling bad and beating up on yourself for something you've done that you wish you hadn't, or something you didn't do that you should have done, recognize that's what you're doing. And instead of, you know, castigating yourself, stop for a moment and think okay, what is the lesson I can learn from this? How can I do better in the future? do I need to make amends with someone? Do I need to apologize? Do I, what do I need to do something to correct it? Because sitting and and dwelling on how awful you were for this thing you did or didn't do is not solving anything. So identify the lesson you can learn, take the action you need to correct it if necessary, or to apologize and then let it go. Forgive yourself. And remember who is it that Maya Angelou said, said, uh, when you know better, you do better. So learn the lesson, give yourself grace for having been human and then move forward. Number seven of the 10 unproductive things we need to stop doing. And that is comparing yourself to others. Oh my goodness we waste so much time energy and attention doing this don't we and it's time and energy and attention we cannot use to do things that actually move us forward toward our goals comparison is always unproductive whether you are thinking you come out well in the comparison or you think you come out poorly it's still unproductive and and it's It's a waste of time because by definition, any comparison with another person will be at best superficial and at worst misleading. You may be judging yourself on bad information because no matter how well you know the other person you're comparing yourself to, you don't know everything. You don't see what's going on in their mind and we, you know, I've talked before about how unproductive and uh, and misleading it is to compare our insides to somebody else's outsides. We only see a little bit of it, whether it's someone, even if it's our best friend or someone we're related to, we don't know the whole story. And comparing what we see in ourselves to what we see to uh, in someone else is going to be, as I said, at best it's a superficial comparison and at worst it's just flat wrong. We can certainly learn from each other. Okay. So this is the, the alternative to comparing ourselves to others is we can be curious about uh, another person, about what we see them doing, ways they see them behaving or choices we see them making. We can learn from them We can get ideas from each other without measuring ourselves or our performance or our homes or our relationship or our achievements uh, by what we see or think we see in somebody else. So, you know, be curious about another person's way of being or the way they organize their house or the job they're doing or whatever. Get ideas from them, but don't measure yourself by uh, what you think you see in someone else. I, I've had conversations recently where people were, someone asked me flat out, Laura, you, you do all these things. How do you get it all done? And I had to say, I don't, I don't do it all. I do certain things and there are lots of things I don't do. Some of them I wish I could do but we all have to make a choice. And you may see someone from a distance and think, oh, they've got it all figured out and they're doing all the things. Well, maybe they're not. Maybe they're doing certain things that you see that you wish you could do, but they're not doing other things that you do very well. So learn, be curious, get ideas, but don't measure yourself by what you see or think you see in someone else's life. And the more productive approach in addition to that is to learn to notice when you're comparing yourself to someone else. Acknowledge maybe out loud that you're doing it. Say, I'm comparing myself to her and remind yourself her journey is not mine. Her life is not mine. And then move forward. So that was number seven. We need to stop comparing ourselves to others. Number eight of the 10 unproductive things we need to stop doing is uh, breaking your promises to yourself. And by this, I mean things you put on your to-do list, but don't do appointments you make with yourself for self-care or exercise or work on the project of your heart or your personal goal, things like that. Things we say to i i'm going to start doing this or i'm going to stop doing that or i'm going to get this thing done and then we don't we are very very um good most of us at keeping our promises to other people and not so good often at keeping the promises we make to ourselves why is this unproductive? I love how one author said it, uh, in an article I read recently on why you need to stop breaking promises to yourself. This is what this author said. You often unconsciously start to view yourself as unreliable flaky and believe the narrative that you aren't important and worthy of this time for you. Eventually you start to view every goal or commitment you make for your improvement as optional. And studies, this, this article goes on to say studies on cognitive dissonance show that when people's actions and beliefs don't line up, they usually change their beliefs to match their actions. And as this person says in the article, by, by not keeping your promises, not, by not doing the things that you tell yourself you're going to do, you may be the article says, slowly but surely telling yourself you don't matter and don't deserve the time you've tried to set aside. This is why it is so unproductive to break your promises to yourself. This is an area I need to work on. I am notorious for putting things on my to-do list that I end up not doing. And this, you know, sometimes this goes back to the procrastination issue. There are reasons why I am doing this and I'm trying to be more aware and conscious about, okay, why is this on my list? Why does it keep getting moved from one day to the next? Why does this kept, keep getting put off? And often it's, it relates to things that are just for me. Nobody really cares about except me. So it's easy to push them aside for in favor of things, uh, you know, commitments I've made to other people. But it's unproductive because you start to, whether consciously or not, uh, believe that, you can't rely on yourself. You're not a a reliable person. You don't deserve uh, the time that you had set aside for yourself. And the article also reminds us that keeping promises to yourself, as the article says, boosts your confidence and reminds you that you are valuable and worthy of this self-care. Studies show that keeping a promise to yourself helps you feel strong and confident and boosts your productivity and happiness the article ends with saying, this is a powerful way to live. And it truly is. That's why when we make a promise to ourselves and, and again, putting something on your to-do list or on your calendar, particularly that it's for yourself, that is a promise you are making. And when you don't do it, you have broken that promise. When I don't do it, I have broken that promise to myself. But When, as this, this writer says, we keep the promise to ourselves, When we do that consistently, when we develop that habit of keeping the promises we make to ourselves, it helps us to feel stronger, more confident, and the studies show we become more productive and happier. So the productive (laughs) response here, instead of breaking promises to ourselves is to create and nurture the habit of keeping those promises you make to yourself. And I would say, start small. We all need to start small with something we can't not do. Uh, The example I always think of is when I decided I was going to establish the habit of working out regularly and then I wasn't doing it, I had to start small. And so the promise was I'm going to get on the treadmill for five minutes and just walk. That was too easy not to do. So start small with something that is just easy to do. So so easy. You can't not do it. Write them down, write those promises down, put them where you can see them, keep them visible and remind yourself to do them and remind yourself that you are valuable enough to, to do this thing for yourself. And consider finding an accountability partner or a coach for some period of time to help hold you accountable until the habit of keeping those promises is developed and set as a habit in your life. The ninth unproductive thing we all need to stop doing is mistaking busyness for productivity activity is not the same as productivity productivity is about results even if you're always going and doing and you know n- never sitting still but always doing things if you're not achieving the results in your life that you want or need then it's not productive running a hundred miles an hour in the wrong direction will not get you where you want to go so busyness is not the same as productivity and we need to be aware of that. And so the result for this is to learn, to teach ourselves, to be aware, to ask ourselves periodically throughout the day, is what I'm doing right now the best use of my time? Is this moving me forward toward the life I want? Or is it just activity for the sake of busyness? Is it activity that I'm doing to avoid doing that hard thing? Uh, Sometimes we fill up our lives with activity as a method of procrastination uh, for the thing that really would move the needle, would make progress in our life, but is hard or scary. So learn to be aware when you're doing that and be strategic and intentional about how you use the most precious and most finite resources you have, your time, your energy, and your attention. Instead of being reactive to the day, and we can get real busy every day, all day long, reacting to things, we want to be proactive. We want to be strategic and intentional about how we're spending our time, our energy, and our attention. And the 10th thing on my list of unproductive things we should all stop doing, and I touched on this a couple weeks ago, is worrying about what other people think. Worry of any kind, especially chronic worry, is incredibly unproductive. And I'm talking to me here because this is something I have had to work on my entire life. Worry has negative effects on our health. It can potentially cause dizziness, shortness of breath, fatigue, headaches, irritability, inability to concentrate, sleep deprivation, indigestion, high blood pressure, digestive disorders, immune system deficiencies, depression, and so much more. So it actually affects our physical health. Furthermore, when we're worrying, we're not doing other things that actually can be productive. We're not being creative. We're not taking action. We're not connecting with the people around us. As, as one writer put it, time spent worrying is time spent not living. And worrying about what other people think is particularly nefarious because first of all, you simply can't know what they think. And often we are, when we are worrying about what other people might think, we're actually imagining thoughts that they are having, uh, but that simply don't exist. Um, somebody has said, you'd worry a lot less about what other people think of you if you realized how seldom they do. And I I try to remind myself of that when I find myself worrying about what someone else might think of something I'm doing or just did or said or whatever. You can paralyze yourself from taking action for fear of somebody else's reaction that might not ever actually occur. Because again, we don't know what other people think. We, we think we do, but most of the time we don't. Um, Brene Brown suggests making a list of people whose opinion of you matters. And it should be a very short list that you can write on one very small sticky note and then keep that handy. And when you find yourself worrying about a person's thoughts or reaction, either actual or imagined about you or what you're doing or thinking of doing, look at that note and remind yourself if the person isn't on that list, give yourself permission to disregard what they think of you. We can improve our lives and improve our productivity by letting go of worry in general and worry about What other people think of us specifically. Worry in general usually is very vague. So, the way to deal with it is to pin it down by writing down exactly what you're worrying about. What actually and exactly is the reaction or thought you're worried they might have? And who is they? Be very specific. What am I worried about? What am I afraid will happen that they will think about? me if I do whatever it is I'm doing or whatever I just did? And what difference would it actually make if they think that what you're worried about them thinking? A friend of mine (laughs) who has says often when, when someone asks him, well, should I do this uh, on my podcast? And his answer is, it's your podcast. You can do whatever you want. Nobody's going to punch you in the face. (laughs) So think about, and I always laugh when I think about that. Yeah. What's, so what's the worst that could happen if you, if they think the thing that you're worried that they're going to think about. So think about that. What am I worried about? Write it down. Is it a realistic possibility? Really? I mean, uh, could they really, could this really happen And then think about what will I do if they think that, how will I respond if they come and criticize me or if they say negative things about my choice and what can I do about it now? If you come up with a concrete action you can take, if you realize the worst that could happen is a thought that someone has about you and that really has no bearing on you, it can't actually affect you and it makes it a lot easier to move forward. And finally, replace those worried thoughts with something else. Uh, Maybe meditation, allow yourself to think the thoughts, the worry or whatever it is, and then let it go and move forward with your life. We all need to stop worrying so much about what other people think and create that short list of people whose opinion of us matters and I'm not suggesting that we should be, you know, selfish and unaware of the impact of our actions on other people. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about the things that hold us back from maybe launching that, that, I don't know, podcast you want to do or changing jobs or proposing a project at work. And we're worried about, uh, that or, because we're worried about how people will react and what they'll think of us. We need to stop doing this and and maybe go through this process of, okay, well, so what if they don't like it? Whoever they is, what does that mean? Can't I do it anyway? As long as I'm not actively intentionally hurting someone else, other people's opinion probably doesn't matter very much other than the people who go on your short list. So those are 10 unproductive things that I think we all should stop doing. But what do you think? What unproductive practice or mindset interferes with making a life that matters as you define it? And what can you do today to change it? I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Uh, You can share those in the comment section of the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 347 or post a comment or question on the Productive Woman Facebook page. Or if you're a member of the Productive Woman Community Facebook group, That's a great place to have this conversation. Let's let's talk about the unproductive things that we're doing that are interfering with us, making a life that matters as we define it. Let's encourage and support each other in stopping those things and replacing them with more productive practices. If you prefer to share your thoughts with me privately, you can always email your questions, comments, or suggestions to me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com. And I would love to hear from you. That's it for this episode of The Productive Woman. I hope you enjoyed it. I appreciate you spending your time with me today. I look forward to talking with you again very soon. So until next time, remember, extend grace to each other and to yourself and go make your life matter.